It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. We are leading up to Labor Day, which means we are also leading up to Election Day. Anything before Labor Day. I kind of think of it as preseason football, if you will, going into football season, but it really... Big sports guy. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later in the podcast. (laughs) But every day matters starting Tuesday. It is a sprint to November 8th. Speaking of that, there's been some talk in the last couple of weeks about how Democrats are starting to pull closer to Republicans. You know, there was a mindset and we had that same mindset a few months back. Republicans were going to just mop up in November. But since the Dobbs decision came out overturning Roe versus Wade, you've seen the messaging change, and it's clear that the poll numbers are changing too. They are. I heard this morning that the congressional generic ballot, and this is nationwide, Democrats have the edge on that. Let's go to the furthest state away from North Carolina, Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> Former vice presidential nominee Sarah Palin, she was on that 2008 ticket with Senator John McCain. She lost in a in an former ele- governor. Former governor, yeah, a darling of the conservative right, and she was spanked last night in Alaska. Now they have that ranked balloting, mm-hmm. but if you look at that first ballot, Sarah Palin lost on the first ballot. And I think a lot of folks in NC poll circles are paying attention to that and the polling and the Dobbs decision. And we've seen some changes in messaging right here in North Carolina. Yeah, there's been some reports about congressional candidate Bo Hines, and everyone knows that he is a Trump Republican and recently took off his issue page on abortion off of his website. So I think that tells you a little bit, well, that race is a really close race anyway, but that tells you a little bit about the messaging going into the fall. In the meantime, legislative leaders, they would like to pivot away from abortion talk and get to some law and order issues. And we saw that play out this week in Davidson County. Republican leaders all the way from Senate candidate Ted Budd to Senator Tom Tillis, Speaker Moore, Representative Hall. Representative Brendan Jones, Steve Jarvis, who was our guest last week. They had a discussion on immigration policies with some different law enforcement folks and then held that press conference to talk about what they would do. And Representative Hall said this was one of their highest priorities next session if they did have a supermajority. So Representative Destin Hall, he's the rules chairman. We've had him on the podcast. They have introduced immigration bills that would force sheriffs to work with ICE. And it has been vetoed twice by Governor Cooper. Two different versions of the bill. He's saying, give us the supermajority. We'll get this bill passed. So that is a purposeful message because they would like to get back on offense. They've been on defense really since June 24th, the Dobbs decision. We'll see how this plays out. Also on Wednesday, all eyes were on the Supreme Court as the Leandro hearings, the oral arguments for Leandro happened Wednesday morning. This case, again, 
has been going on since 2004 when the North Carolina Supreme Court ruled that North Carolina's educational system was unconstitutional, that kids in Hope County were not getting the same educational opportunities as kids in Wake County. Kids didn't have access to science labs. They didn't have the same teachers. And our Constitution does say we have a uniform education system. And it is not. And I think everyone can agree on that. But this case really sky seemed to come down to can a judge force the general assembly to spend money that's right the plaintiffs in the leandro case are arguing the general assembly has had decades to remedy this problem and they've chosen not to do it so this is sort of a last step this needs to happen because we gave them great deference and they haven't done it and then the legislature is arguing we are obviously have the power of the purse. It's in our constitution and no one else can take that power from us. I think a subplot to all of this is, is that there is some mistrust among budget writers of school systems. They have appropriated money in the disadvantaged student fund, the low wealth funding, and then they get reports back that this money is not making it into the classroom. They say, we just can't keep throwing money, not knowing where this money is going. It'll be interesting to see how this Supreme Court rules. It is a Democratic-controlled Supreme Court. Even though we have a Republican chief justice, many expect we'll get a decision by the end of the year. Yeah, and also many expect that the Supreme Court will flip to Republican control after this election. So folks are trying to get their cases into the Supreme Court now if they want a more favorable court, essentially court shopping. So as this podcast drops on Friday, Friday afternoon, a little update on that Senator Hannig and his challenger, Valerie Jordan, that case is going to be heard at the State Board of Elections. You're hearing this podcast probably on Friday. The hearing is scheduled for 3 o'clock on Friday. Let's just point out a couple things. Yeah, I said to Brian, oh, it, this got scheduled Friday at 3 o'clock. And you said... You scheduled the hearing on a Friday before a Labor Day weekend. I think the press release has already been printed. Bobby Hannig's complaint against Valerie Jordan will likely be dismissed. I stand to be corrected. We'll see on Saturday or (laughs) Friday at five. We'll see. I should point out Senator Hannig was officially sworn in last Friday. He had been appointed by the executive committee to take the place of retired Senator Bob Steinberg. That election happened last week, but yeah, he took the oath last Friday. So Welcome to the Senate, Senator Hannig. Senator Hannig is the first surfer I know of in the Senate. Bringing back a segment of the podcast we haven't done in a while, Unsubstantiated Rumors. Do your little sing-in for that. I don't remember how I did it. Unsubstantiated Rumors. Well, you just did it. No, you do it. No, you can tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) There was an article this week about potential candidates to run for governor. Mm-hmm. Tim Moore was mentioned in that list. Well, it was very obvious people like Tim Moore, Phil Barker. Robert Reeves. Yeah, they were just listing the leaders. Right. Those are rumors we had not heard. Tom Tillis was in there. I had heard that potentially Michael Regan, who is 
in charge of the EPA right now and is very public facing. You see him on TV a lot. He's been traveling around the state and around the country. I heard that he may be running for governor. That would be an interesting matchup because we all know that Attorney General Josh Stein is in it to win it on the Democratic side. Michael Regan comes out of the Cooper administration, went to go work for President Joe Biden. Would he challenge Josh Stein? That would be so interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. But it got us digging around, not so much on the governor's race. We'll just see how that all plays out. We've been kind of asking around about who's going to run for attorney general in 2024. Well, we know who you want to run. Danny Earl Britt. Junior. Junior. I think he's got the bona fides to do it. Question is, can he afford to do it? He's got young kids, got a law practice down in Robson County that he's built up. I don't know. I know he he's looked at it, but is he ready to pull the trigger? And we've mentioned on the podcast before that Representative Destin Hall is another name. Um, Again, you saw him in the news this week. And then two names appeared this week as we were talking to different Republicans, especially. One is Senator Amy Gailey, Republican from Alamance County. She's been our guest on the podcast twice. She is completing her first term in the Senate. She is a lawyer. She's a former county commission chair of Alamance County and comes from a storied political family. Who is the other person you heard about? The other person I've heard, again, it's a rumor is former Representative Tom Murray, Republican, used to represent, actually used to be my representative in western Wake County. Representative Gail Adcock has that seat now. Of course, she's running for the Senate this year. Tom Murray is a military veteran. He's still active in the reserves. He is now an assistant district attorney up in Franklin County. He's a pharmacist. Very impressive guy. The question is, who on the Democratic side are we hearing for attorney general? And I have to tell you, haven't really heard of anyone. Someone brought up Senator Jay Chaudhary. He's been on the podcast a couple times. He is a great guy. I actually believe he would make a great attorney general. But he seems to give no indication whatsoever that he is looking at that. I think he is settled in over on the Senate side and is trying to figure out a way to help his caucus get a few more seats over there. We'll just see. We will. (laughs) I have a feeling that we'll start to have these rumors come into the light more on November 9th, the day after the election. This week, we got to sit down with Representative John Autry and talk about his life and what an interesting life it is. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative John Autry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. To start us off, tell us about your district. Where is your district and why do you think your district's special? Well, uh, I represent uh, the district in East Charlotte. We have a major immigrant community, and I'm not just talking about Hispanics, but Bhutanese refugees, mm-hmm. uh, 
people from Russia, people from Germany, people from France, uh, and a lot of the African countries are represented in the district also. I tell people, if you go on Central Avenue and start out getting off Albemarle Road, you can take your palate around the world with the restaurants that you'll encounter down there. Wow. So what's your favorite restaurant in your district? Oh, this oh, could be contentious. There is a uh, little... Uh, Mexican restaurant on Albemarle Road uh, called uh, Carnitas Guanajuato, and uh, they have the best mole north of the border that I have ever tasted. I've got it, and and I'm a fool for mole sauce and and chicken and tortillas, and and, and it's just great. And and Juan tells me, he says, well, that's my mother's recipe, you know, and I said, well, okay, then bring it on. Let's go back a little bit and learn about you growing up and your background and kind of lead us into what brought you into adulthood. You know, it's surprising that I made it to adulthood, <laughs> really. Uh, I, I, I'm from Fayetteville, oh. Cumberland County. Uh, I graduated from high school in Fayetteville in 1971, and I did not uh, get a scholarship to the North Carolina School of the Arts. So... Uh, I'm working in a music store and uh, living in Fayetteville, and my mother reached out to me around Halloween that year in 71 and said that uh, my stepfather, who was a career Army, was in recruiter school at Fort Benjamin Harrison in Indianapolis, and that his duty station was Orange, California, and if I wanted to go live with them, uh, I could go to the junior colleges, the community colleges in California, tuition-free, because being a dependent of a army wow. service member, I would be a resident as soon as I crossed the state line, so there wasn't going to have to be any waiting period to gain residency. So, California, here I come. <laughs> 1971. Still. 1971. Well, this we're talking, you know, springtime '72 now. Okay. I'm in California, and I've just finished the first semester at Cypress College, and uh, I had uh, went down and joined the Navy, wow. which led to the military experience and, and the range of people that you're exposed to and get to know and become friends with uh, really showed me that, you know, there was more than just Hay Street in Fayetteville to the world right. and that there was a lot of uh, common experiences, but there were so many things that were just absolutely foreign to me. And I seemed to gravitate to that and, 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 had a real appreciation for all the different kinds of people that I met. And uh, I ended up uh, 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 going to dental tech school. In the Navy? In the Navy, yeah. <clears throat> yeah uh, How did you decide on that? Well, uh, I scored enough on the AFES test that the recruiter says, well, you can go to anything you want. And so I narrowed it down to hospital corpsman, dental technician, and air traffic controller. I, all, I, all in the same realm. <laughs> all in the same realm, yeah. <laughs> don't know why I just decided that I was going to go to the uh, DTA school and that was in San Diego and uh, I my first duty station after that was at uh, U.S. Naval Hospital in Portsmouth okay. so I was stationed Up in Virginia in Virginia yeah. and I was stationed there uh, and working in oral surgery that is when the uh, Vietnam POWs were released and there was a young lieutenant uh, commander that was running around the halls 
bragging about how he was going to go home to Arizona and run for Congress. Is that right? Senator John McCain. Yeah. Wow. It was a patient of ours at the clinic. Look, they all had different stories. They were all very humble. They were all very appreciative to their treatment that they were receiving. And I found them all to be very kind and, and worthy individuals for the stature and the ranks that they held, but also for the appreciation that the country was willing to show for them and shove on them. Wow. So how did you end up back in North Carolina? I was actively pursuing a career as an actor in Southern California, finishing up school. So you go from Portsmouth back to California? I took a, a, a chance to get transferred to Camp Pendleton. Okay. So I spent the last two years in my active duty career uh, at the Naval Dental Center in Camp Pendleton, okay. serving with the Marines. Okay. And that was great duty. Uh, I got to work uh, in endodontics at, at that area and learn how to, you know, all about root canals from uh-huh. a person who went on after his Navy career to be a professor of endodontics in the dental school at Loyola University. Wow. Mm. I want to loop something here. You had mentioned when you graduated from high school in 71, you did not get a scholarship to the School of the Arts. So you had an interest in, in acting? Yes. Okay. I was doing uh, productions uh I was 17 years old and playing Jonathan Harker in the Fayetteville Theater production of Dracula Wow! while I was a junior in high school. was also doing productions even while I was still on active duty. And uh, afterwards, it was just, it just blossomed even more. Um, but I had uh, got very involved in bicycle racing. Really? Yeah. And uh, was... <laughs> <laughs> All this fits together so nicely. <laughs> it, it, listen... <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't try to use any threads to connect any of this. But, Are we uh, talking road bike racing, yeah. as in ten speed uh, road yeah. biking? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so uh, I got so interested in that, I kind of stepped away from dentistry. Had an opportunity to go to work as a bicycle mechanic at a shop in Anaheim, California. Okay. Uh, became kind of proficient at that. Met people in the distribution industry, and so I took a job on the order desk at Cycles Peugeot. And during the gas crisis, uh, you know, Peugeot had mopeds at the time, Mm -hmm. and we couldn't keep them in stock. I mean, it was just a crazy environment. I mean, guys would show up with cash and want, I want that container of those mopeds today. It was uh, a a great experience, and I really got to understand the bicycle industry from the ground up. And then uh, there was another company, a competitive company called Western States Imports. And they offered me a position to take on a route as a salesman in Los Angeles and Orange County. Then there was an opportunity to take on uh, a district that included Washington, northern Idaho, and western Montana. And so I went to Seattle and spent a year up there. And how old are you at this point? I'm 23, 24. Okay. Yeah. Doing a lot in 23, <laughs> 24 years. Well, uh, I, I remembered something when I read in a, a, a biography about James Dean, about how he said he never wanted to go through life with one hand tied behind his back. Yeah. And so I was reaching for life everywhere. I didn't really, you know, anticipate what, the cyclical differences of being a bicycle representative in the Northwest was compared to Southern California. Mm. I didn't have any contingency to get through the winter when you're not selling bicycles. So I uh, uh, left that company and 
worked part-time as a short order cook, okay. part-time in a dental clinic, and part-times in a men's clothing store doing retail. And one morning I'm getting ready to go to work and I had the Today Show on and there were a reporter, I remember his name, his name was James Bacon. He did a three-part series about the film industry in North Carolina. And the center of his piece was a guy over in Shelby called Earl Owensby. And he was making a cheap, low-budget, straight-to-the-drive-in kind of circuit and the European market. And I said, well, maybe it's time to move back over there. And I had a friend who uh, was from high school that lived in Charlotte. And he said, well, I got a room. You can stay in until you get set up. And I said, okay, I'm off. And uh, so I came to Charlotte, um, got involved as an actor, did some theater at Spirit Square a couple of years. And uh, I was on a a Chevrolet commercial shoot one day. And now I'm 28 years old. And I looked behind the camera and well, there's somebody with white hair, there's somebody with white hair, there's somebody with gray hair. And I thought maybe it's better to, you have a more of a career if you're working behind the camera. Mm. So I made an effort then to start figuring out how to get behind the camera in one way or the other. So I worked as a grip, a sound recordist, mm-hmm. uh, lighting technician, then learned how to do uh, editing. I was also working in a restaurant at night and uh, met a lot of the folks that were at the Channel 9 WSOC in Charlotte. And one was the chief photographer. Mm. And so he said, well, you know, we're looking for news shooters. You know, maybe you'd like to do that. So I took a part-time job at the TV station. And if you want to learn how to shoot, go to work at it because you're going to shoot a lot. Right. And you're going to shoot every day. And uh, it was a wonderful experience then there was a lot of innovation taking place in teleproduction and um, a a guy by the name of Richard Aldridge in Charlotte was building a he already had a production company shooting film and commercials but he was going to now take in and build a post-production facility Mm -hmm. and uh, he asked me if I would come and be his editor I worked for him for 11 years, directed a commercial in 1999 that won the uh, Emmy for the best public service announcement that year. But then there was this thing called the internet that you started hearing about. And I kind of wanted to get involved with that. So I uh, decided another transition in life and career. And I ended up as uh, director of creative services for a company at the time called IXL. So then I had some partners that I had met in the advertising business. They were also very interested in the internet and they wanted to do uh, e-commerce. So we started a consulting firm and was building websites. This is 2001. And in September of 2001, all that touring and seminars and everything came to a screeching halt. And uh, we looked around and we said, now, what do we do with what we know in this new world? And uh, we made some deals with some baby bells and started a company called WARN, W-A-R-N, Wide Area Rapid Notification. And we had them create a web portal so that you could do a notification to a specific area or a list of phone numbers in that district or city or county and started growing that business. So that kind of became the crazy part of the world, you know, right. uh, of trying to make sense out of the crazy part of the world anyway. <laughs> uh, but it was, a, it was a great experience that we ran that business for about 10 or 11 years. Um, tried to, and it was all privately funded from us. Probably should have made some different decisions about 
angels coming in and you know, oh, okay. taking some of that equity with them. We eventually decided that you know we weren't going to grow this enough, and so we sold off our clients and took what was left and went on our own separate ways. And it was down about that time that uh, I became very interested in politics. And so uh, in 2006, I ran for U.S. Congress. Uh, I ran in the 8th District. Robin Hayes was the representative at the time. And I got into the primary. I didn't spend $2,500. And Congressman Larry Kissel was also in that primary. I remember Larry Kissel. And won the primary. Mm -hmm. But I finished second in a field of four. One of the persons I met was the chair of the Mecklenburg Soil and Water Conservation District Board of Supervisors. And he said, you know, there's an open seat on the board this year. Would you consider running? And I said, well, what's the filing fee? And he said, $5. (laughs) I said, I'm in. So uh, I I got elected to the Soil and Water District in 2006, uh, was reelected in 2010. And in 2011, the city council representative for the District 5 that I resided in, she came and said she wasn't going to run again and would I consider running. So I ran, won that race, and was elected to three terms of the city council before coming to the legislature in 2016. Serving on the city council, one of the things that we suffer with in North Carolina, if you're a municipal elected official, is local preemption. And that really rankled me. We're a Dillon rule state, kind of the theory that they're the parents and the municipalities are the children, and you can only get permission from your parents. And that was really evident in 2016. You're on the city council. City council and we are talking specifically about HB2. The city of Charlotte expanding its non-discrimination ordinance to include LGBTQ citizens. And a lot of people might not know this, but they're about to know it. You were in the eye of that storm. Can you take us down that road? We actually started that effort back in 2015 when Senator Claude Filter was the mayor of Charlotte. Chris Bishop was uh, the chair of MECPAC, which was the LGBTQ PAC in Mecklenburg County. And he asked me for a meeting, and I said, sure. Uh, We sat down at a bakery one morning, and he laid out what he thought we could do, and would I be interested in doing it? I said, well, you know, you've got two members of council who are openly gay. Why don't you go to them? He says, well, we wanted a cis man, if possible. Straight white guy. Yeah. And, you know, I have a a daughter who's gay in Mm -hmm. a same-sex marriage. Uh, I have grandchildren. One identifies as gay and one who identifies as trans. And so it was a natural thing for me to say, oh, absolutely. I don't mind taking that on. I'd be proud to take that on. So we failed in 2015, but then uh, the HR Human Rights Campaign got involved in a municipal election for the first time and elected a slate of city council members for the purpose of expanding the NDO. And so that was done in the uh, in February, I think it was. An NDO, you might have said. Non-discrimination it. ordinance, right. yeah, NDO is a non-discrimination ordinance. And, and Charlotte had had an NDO since 1968. And it had, last time it had been amended was in 1974 to include women as a protected class. And so, you know, the rest is bathroom history. So when you took the vote, did you know, I mean, you talked about the preemption. Did you know that the state was going to take action and it was likely that this was going to be a national headline? Did not realize it would be a national headline. Yeah. Not at all. But it did. 
And I think that helped the effort really in the long run. I mean, I don't think some of the companies that are relocating and expanding in North Carolina would be here if we hadn't taken the actions with, uh, what was it, HB 142 mm-hmm. in 17? Mm-hmm. Look, talking about my children and my grandchildren. And how could I say to them, well, you have to sit over here, but your brother and your other sister can sit over here. That just seemed to rankle me to the core. Less than a decade later, the small town of Wendell just passed a non-discrimination ordinance. It must feel good about that. What I feel is that my children and my grandchildren will have a much different experience than my uncle and his partner did when they got together back in 1962. I get pictures of my grandchildren who live in Nevada at their pride celebrations. You know, when they're 17 and 16 and fully free and wide open to be able to express themselves, that's what gives me pride and appreciation for the efforts that we took back in 2016. Anything for them. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people being a grandparent is the one thing in life that isn't overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you decide to run for the state house instead of staying in Charlotte? Foolishness. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. I mean, uh, every day that I walked into the government center in Charlotte, I was in the majority. Before I turned to dust, I'd like to serve in the majority on Jones Street and have the effect on some policy that could help us with mitigating our climate crisis, shoring up public education, fixing our broken mental health system, fixing our broken health care system, fixing our transportation system and preparing for the future. Should we go on? It must have been difficult to go. You mentioned it. Difficult to go from being in the majority at all times to serving in the minority. You have to work differently. You have to work differently. You have to work. You just can't say, oh, this is what we're going to do. You got to find a partner on the other side. You got to find somebody with the same sort of interest and, and, and concern about the issue that you're bringing forward. And then hopefully when it's all said and done, you land on something that you both can agree on and get filed. And then it's another campaign and another fight to get any traction with that. Filing the bill is kind of easy, but getting it across the line is is the tougher part. And I'm still navigating that. Look, I I have great mentors (laughs) with lots of experience, and uh, I I go to them sometimes, man, I don't understand what is, I mean, this is such a good thing. And (laughs) well, you know, who you're working with there, they're just as frustrated as you are, but they're not going to let you know that, you know, it's, it's the machinations and, and the, the mystery of the possible that, uh, continues to elude me. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> so as you know, our politics are super polarized. If there was one thing, you had a magic wand, you could change something about the way our politics are right now policy or political, what would it be? You don't really want to hear my answer. No, we do. <laughs> now we really do. <clears throat> Magic wand, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I am free from the repercussions of doing such, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he agrees with that. Sure. Uh, I would want to be able to break down the barriers that ideology has placed around certain people because this cognitive dissonance of being confronted with overwhelming information that refutes your current position but yet that makes you so uncomfortable that you had to dig in your heels more about your position. Mm. In the meantime, North Carolina will suffer more this year. They will suffer more next year and even more the year after that. When we talk about the climate, our water cycle is about 50 years, right? Mm. So if there's a storm this afternoon and a drop of rain falls on the roof of this building, we will see that drop of rain again in 50 years. Mm. The longer we wait to take action, the more radical and drastic the mechanisms are going to be to accomplish the mitigation that we need, and it's going to be that much more expensive. Well, Representative John Autry, we appreciate everything you do for the state. We appreciate everything you're doing in the General Assembly. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Well, Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Sky. I, this has been an awesome experience. Uh, something else to add to my list of things to share with the grandkids at one point or another. But uh, thank you for what you do, and thank you for this opportunity to share you know, my experience. So thank you. The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. I don't mean this in any negative way whatsoever, but I feel like as Representative Autry was going through his life, meeting John McCain and all of the careers he's had, I felt like we were in a Forrest Gump movie. Just story after story. So interesting. What an interview. We really appreciate him being on the podcast. Tweet of of the the week. week. This week's tweet of the week is from Steve Inskeep. He's at NPR Inskeep. So I assume he works for NPR. Morning edition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I hear him on up first. Okay. Anyway, his tweet says, is it flattering to be named a special master? And when introduced to people, do you modestly say you're just an ordinary master? (laughs) So this is because Trump's legal team asked for a special master to help the FBI review documentation in the case. But we've had plenty of special masters in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And the replies to this are pretty funny, too. Someone said, thanks, but I'm really just one part of a very special team. (laughs) Someone said, maybe it's like degrees in martial arts belts. I would aspire to be a super special master. (laughs) Someone said, special master is my father. You can just call me master. (laughs) (laughs) I like the replies on some of this. People are so creative on Twitter. Yeah. Well, it was hard to find a funny tweet this week. Mm -hmm. I struggled with it. So if you're feeling funny, please just tweet out your thoughts. Yeah. Tag us. And if it's not funny, I'll tell you. Yeah. We'll ignore you too. (laughs) Last week, I'm listening to the podcast in the editing phase, post-production, doing some editing. 
and we were talking about the community forums. You were asking me about our HOA and all the stuff that goes on with that. You said in that exchange that you were banned off a forum. And I have to apologize. This is a classic example of me talking to Brian, Brian not listening, and continuing on with whatever he wants to do. That's not true. That is true. (laughs) Anyway, you said you were banned off a forum, and I did not address it. I didn't stop and ask you a question about this forum. Sky, can you give us a little backstory about a community forum in which you have been banned? I have been, they banned my IP address. Okay. Who is that? Um, it's a forum called Illinois Loyalty, but <laughs> jokes on them, I'm now loyal to North Carolina. <laughs> Illinois, the university, Illinois, the state. No, Illinois, the university, but it's like, it, you know, it was like 2011, 2012. Okay. So it was when people were using forums big time. Mm-hmm. And it's just all of these middle-aged men who are like... <laughs> commenting on these 18 year old boys and like talking about how they're terrible at sports and stuff about like the basketball and the football team and things like that and so I got into an argument with someone and that's it and to get a lifetime ban on there I guess you have to say something pretty bad and I guess that's what happened (laughs) if I were speculating so yeah I mean I think if we were to ban everyone who gets into an argument on a forum, no one would be on these forums. Can you share? I don't really remember, but I do remember I tried to just use a different email and that didn't work. That's how I found out that they banned my IP address. (laughs) So not only did you get banned. So it turns out that I was the most loyal. (laughs) So in a loyalty contest, I win. <laughs> so, so you get banned and you try to get back on. You wanted more to say or are you just missing the whole community? Of no, I wanted, I wanted to keep going. I think that this was, I think, I think what happened <laughs> was that I was targeted by these like, you know, men who are like in their forties <laughs> and don't do anything else except watch Illinois sports and talk trash about teenagers. And um I think probably they contacted <laughs> the site manager. <laughs> okay, now that I'm saying it, I realize I sound like an idiot. <laughs> So, so 10 years later, you are still banned? I mean, I haven't tried to get on because I don't need them in my life. <laughs> okay. As you know, <laughs> I am loyal. I take Illinois loyalty seriously. I take friendship loyalty seriously. And that's why I'm fairly certain I was arguing about a friend. If you know one thing about me, you know that I am really loyal to my friend group. And I have a small friend group. Uh-huh. So, which, of which you're included. Okay, thank you. You know I'll turn on somebody real quick. <laughs> yeah, we had a senator tell us this week that he knew not to pick on me that you would have him. That's right. Yeah. So you really have no problem with confrontation. I like it. On a forum or in person. You know that. When I have a problem with you, I tell you. Mm-hmm. So as an update, you know this is an athletics podcast. And as an update, <laughs> our very own... <laughs> Professional softball player Brian Lewis comes in with a pink sleeve on his shin. Yeah, my well, it was for my calf muscle. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And I asked you what it was for, and you didn't have a great answer. 
Well, you know, I hit a triple the other night. I was batting third, had two Did you score? base runners. Well, let me tell you about this. Oh, okay. I come up and I'm like, I'm going to swing to the fence. I'm going to put this ball over the fence. Just came short of the fence. Hit a triple. I get to third and I'm hobbling. You know, I'm not exactly, my knees aren't great. I feel like my calf muscle is going to blow any moment. Third base coach sends me home. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So I get my triple, of course, but I'm going to go ahead and try to leg it out to home. I do hear someone say, watch out. The ball's going to hit you in your head. So I thought, don't slide. Let it hit me in the head, and I will score, you know, with no problems. Anyway, the ball went right over my shoulder, landed in the catcher's glove. They got you out? She got me out. She got you out? She got me out. Tough. Yeah. I think that last 60 feet from third to home, I just felt really gimpy. I'm, I was wearing my sleeve on my calf muscle, and what? I was wearing a pink one, you know, for breast. Did you already have all of these braces, sleeves, oh, yeah. and yeah. associated gear that you've needed on days after? I am 51 years old. I have to put ice on my knees. I have to stretch, massage. I have to put stuff on to make sure I'm not pulling a muscle. So yeah, I have this equipment all in the bottom dresser drawer of my house. I have all sorts of stuff. So this leads me to my next question. Yes. What is the upside of you playing softball? Because Hmm. I haven't seen one. It's definitely not victory. (laughs) Well, it is fun. So tonight we... We have a seven o'clock game and then we're going out afterwards for drinks. There is a little camaraderie building. And I have to say this, even though we're older and we're getting our butts kicked every game, it is fun being on a team. Yeah, you're a very social person. I like the social aspect of it. I don't know that I like softball. I think I would like fast pitch softball. Yeah. And I'll tell you, here's a big reason why I don't like softball. So we're playing these young kids the other night, Monday night. Youngins, as you called them Youngin, last week. Yeah. So this, our pitcher's not very good. He had a hard time throwing strikes and they figured that out. So they were just standing up there. Two guys did something I thought was not becoming. First guy turns his bat upside down. So he's batting with... Not with the handle, because he's obviously not going to swing. The other guy just turns his back to the pitcher. You played fast pitch softball, so it's probably different. I played baseball. You know what happens when you show up a pitcher like that in baseball? You get hit. Hit right in the head. And I said it. I was like, hit that guy right in the back. He'll turn around then. Of course, you know, that's not something. You're like, teach this youngin' a lesson. Exactly. But that's not really. You got in trouble. It's frowned upon in carry. Yeah, well, a girl gets you other. out like a real man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there are things I don't like about softball. I still wish you would come play. No, thank you. I just well, come watch us. I it's have a bad attitude, but it's entertaining too. You'd like that? Yeah, like playing kickball with Carl. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I tried a team sport last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I did work out. I didn't like it. Yeah. You got a birthday coming up, but we're not going to talk about that no, on we this don't podcast. Need to talk about it. We're going to talk about ever. that next week we on don't next need to week's talk podcast. About it. Yeah, but between you know this podcast and next podcast, you will have had a birthday. Thanks for listening to the Do Politics Better podcast. We appreciate y'all. If you have any ideas while we're in the off session, please feel free to get those to us. We will be back next week with the NC Poll News. Until then, please remember. 
Enjoy your Labor Day weekend and do politics better. <laughs>